can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past and present whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Hannah, have you seen Air, the movie? Oh no, I haven't. You need to as soon as possible. I did just see talking about basketball. Have you seen The Last Dance, the 10-part series about basketball? No. On Netflix? I haven't. <laughs> I think basketball is fascinating. I am going to go and see it. Yeah. So I'm not typically a sporting kind of person. I don't mind basketball, though. Neither am I. Michael Jordan, that's what the whole series, The la- you'll love The Last Dance. Okay. You'll love maybe it. Maybe we'll watch that when I've got a little bit more time. I hadn't even heard about this movie and my friends the other the night we're like oh we're gonna go to the movies tonight do you want to come and I was like yeah what are we seeing and it was this movie and I was like okay let's see I guess I'm interested in the whole like evolution of the Nike brand and how that all came about and obviously that had a lot to do with Michael Jordan this movie I didn't expect a lot from it but then I saw that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck was in it and Ben Affleck in this movie is so funny. You will die. <laughs> like he wears a full wig. He's meant to be the CEO of Nike in this movie. Yep. And he's just so funny in it. I was laughing out loud at points because he's just so <laughs> so funny. And I just am like, how is this man with J-Lo? Like, it doesn't add up. Well, he's pretty talented. He did direct it, didn't he? Yes. Yes, yeah. he did. So not surprisingly, it is a very good movie and I really, really enjoyed it. And it was actually quite inspiring to see as someone that works in like a retail setting where you're working in marketing, it is kind of inspiring to see how they came up with innovative ideas to drive their brand. Like the way that Nike exploded after this partnership, it was like Nike could have gone completely the other way. We may not have had that brand now if it wasn't for this. So it was a really interesting movie I would recommend to anyone, like even if you're not into basketball at all or sport. Why? I actually can't believe you brought up basketball. I've literally been sick. Yes. And I watched 10 episodes straight of this basketball (laughs) documentary. (laughs) How long was each episode? In two days. It was about 10 hours of watching Michael Jordan do, (laughs) are they slam dunks or dunks, whatever they're called? He is phenomenal. He's (laughs) honestly like, He's superhuman. The way he spins and does, yeah, it was fascinating. They do have an episode on his Nike deal as well. Oh, okay. If you told me three years ago that on an episode of this podcast we'd be talking about (laughs) basketball, I wouldn't have believed you. (laughs) Why is basketball, like my boyfriend's now watching AFL, which really annoys me because I'm like, oh, you're Canadian. Like you don't need to go over to my sister's boyfriend's house to watch an AFL game. This is a joke. If I had to watch anything, it'd probably be basketball. Same. Out of all the sports. Do you watch AFL? No. We've probably got some AFL fans. No, neither do I. No. I've become a real basketball fan. I know a lot of their names now, like the best players. Do you? And I know a lot about... About the GOAT, greatest of all time debate about who's, you know, I know what GOAT stands for. <laughs> no, I know what that stood for until not that long ago. <laughs> Neither did Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is like in her 70s, so that's fair enough. Yeah. 
Well, someone was calling her the goat on set and she thought they were calling her an actual goat, uh, like an old goat. Yeah, that could be misconstrued quite easily. <laughs> so, but I know a lot about the basketball debate now about who's the greatest of all time. Okay. I haven't really seen any other documentaries, so I'm just going to go with Michael Jordan because I've seen his documentary. Okay. Well, I might have to go and watch that at some point, but I would <laughs> recommend that you go and you go to the movies maybe tonight. Maybe you set aside some time tonight and go and watch that movie. I was going to message you the other day and be like, watch this before we record, but I didn't think you'd have the time and you were sick. So Yeah. It's on my list, yeah, so okay. I will go and see it. Okay. What's on today's episode, Joe? So on today's episode, we are talking to Dr. Madeline Duff about gum health and gum disease. Then we're talking about getting into the beauty industry because I'm sure that I'm not the only one that gets asked about this. I'm sure you get this question all the time as well, Hannah. And of course, our products we didn't know we needed. So I did try to record this the other day with Dr. Madeline and my internet cut out. So we're all back here today <laughs> to try this again. Thanks for joining us. Dr. Madeline Duff is a dentist at The Smile Designer. You can follow her on Instagram. Her handle is one of the best ones I've ever seen. It's truth be told. Thank you. <laughs> today we're talking all things gums. So Dr. Madeline, I thought we could start off. We've just recently been discussing water picks. Hannah invested in one recently. Water flossing. Yep. Are they the best way to floss? So how do you like it, Hannah? The problem with me is that I've got plates from when I had braces. I've still got them in. And so I had to thread through floss. So I wouldn't do it. I was like, I can't be bothered with this. Yeah. Do you know how long it takes to thread floss through your teeth? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Because you can't get it through. So I thought the dentist tells me like, I have to floss more, I have to floss more. And so I was like, I have to just, I, there's nothing else I can do. Find another solution. Yeah. So I think that is where water flossers actually do come into their own is because every time everyone goes to the dentist, they get told, oh, you need to floss more, string that little thing through the bar at the back. And ultimately it's actually quite hard to floss to get the technique and to get good flossing is really difficult to achieve. And the literature shows us that that is true. It's hard, you know, if you just get the average person to try and floss, the amount of plaque that they do remove isn't as great as we might like to think as dentists that it would be. Plus it's fiddly. So people just don't do it altogether. They just don't do anything. So the main goal or the main way to achieve gum health is to remove the plaque on your teeth and remove the plaque on your gums. So this is where water flossers really come into their own because the idea behind a water flosser is that it pushes out a stream of water, it flushes out the plaque from in between your teeth. By reducing the amount of plaque in between your teeth, you have healthier gums. So yes, in conclusion, I like water flossers. Hannah, keep using it. Okay, good. I think I need to get one now that I've heard this. You had partially influenced me, Hannah, but I think now I'm going to need to buy one. Would you prefer people that don't have plates to be using actual floss? There's lots of different ways that you can remove plaque from in between your teeth. If you are using floss and you like using floss, yes, keep doing it. But I think, you know, the reality is, is that when we brush our teeth, we only actually remove 60% of the plaque on our teeth. So there's still 40% of the plaque left over and still sitting on on your teeth and in between your teeth. Ew. Yeah, which is really interesting because you think even if you've done a really good brush, there's still all of those surfaces in between the teeth that we're missing. So yes, if you like floss, keep using your floss. It will be helping. But also the studies are showing now that using a water flosser can remove as much plaque as regular floss. But also, have you heard of interdental brushes or little pickster brushes? Yep, I've used those. 
Yeah, so they are also really good and much less fiddly than, you know, wrapping the floss around your finger and trying to get in between the teeth. The only thing with those is that they come in lots of different sizes. So either you have to have been told previously what size to use or go into your dentist and get them to size you up for your pixters. And you don't want to be using one that's too big. So then that's where the water flosser is good because if you have it on a mild setting, nothing too high, you can clean in between the teeth with you know, any size. That high setting, <laughs> I only use the low setting. Oh, that high setting, that's really – how do people use that? I think they're just not supposed to. I feel like just okay. keep it on a lower setting. If it feels like it's blowing your gums away, turn it down. Yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now's probably a good time to say as well that – if you do brush your teeth or floss your teeth or you're using Pixters or a water flosser and you do find that your gums are bleeding commonly when you do this, this isn't normal. It could be a sign that you have some sort of gum issue or other dental issue. And so then I would recommend that you hot foot it into your dentist and get that checked out. And then we can discuss with you whether you're a water flosser or a Pixter user or what it is that you need to do to improve your gum health. And what kinds of gum issues can we experience and can we reverse gum damage? So yes, there's lots of different issues that we can experience with our gums. I'm sure like you've probably heard of receding gums or swollen gums around wisdom teeth, but one of the most common gum issues is gingivitis, which they talk about on TV ads Mm -hmm. and people probably don't actually know what gingivitis is, but essentially it's a buildup of plaque on the teeth and along the gum line. And so gingivitis is when the bacteria in that plaque release toxins and then it causes inflammation, puffy, red, swollen, bleeding gums. And so the good thing about gingivitis is that it is reversible. So if you improve your oral hygiene, you get yourself, you know, brushing really, really well right to the back, using something else to clean that extra 40% of plaque off in between the teeth and go to the dentist, get us to scrape off all the hard plaque that you can't get off, then that gingivitis is reversible. The trouble is, is that over time, if you don't treat your gingivitis and your brushing doesn't get better and your cleaning doesn't get better, then that can continue on to become gum disease. And that is not as easily fixed as gingivitis. I saw a TikTok the other day of this American guy interviewing teenage kids in a school and he was like, oh, how often do you brush your teeth? And they were like, oh, no. What What do you mean (laughs) brush your teeth? And he's like, how often do you brush your teeth? They're like, I don't. Oh my god, like, terrifying. What? Terrifying. Oh, that was like a you know, common twice a day, like the average person would do their teeth twice a day. Do you come across a lot of people that don't do that? Yeah, I think we're really fortunate, you know, to in Australia with know they've got the school vans and stuff yeah. that, that come around to school. So a lot of people I think and even on TV have probably heard it. But sometimes it's not until you actually get into the dentist. Well, I'll always, you know, take photos of people's gums and teeth and put them up on the TV and show you. And some because I don't think we actually ever really look yeah. in our mouth. So it's easy to be like, oh I'm sure it's all fine in there. And so then that motivation to brush twice a day may not be Mm. there. Do you see how easy it is to give up just flossing entirely, you Mm. know? So I think I wouldn't be surprised if a larger portion of the population only brushed once a day. But do twice, do twice. Yeah. I'm definitely not good at flossing. I'm a bad flosser, which is why I think I need to get onto the water pick situation because I think that will encourage me, especially if I'm in the shower and like I've got conditioner in my hair, I can just do that while I'm waiting. That's what I've got. 
Yes. Mm. And that's what's yeah. great about the cordless water flosses. So if you are going out to buy a water flosser, go the cordless because then you can, you can have it in the shower, you're nice and toasty, conditioners kicking in. I really don't know how you would use that outside of the shower. Yeah, it's messy. There's a yeah. technique, but it's messy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, what are the basic steps that we can all take to ensure that we do have healthy gums? Look, it sounds really simple, but it does require commitment, obviously. So brushing twice a day, like we were saying, morning and nighttime. Nighttime is the pivotal time to brush because if you think about it throughout the day, you've been eating and drinking and the bacteria has been growing and building up that plaque along the teeth. So doing your really good brush at nighttime and then that's when you would ideally be doing your flossing, water flossing, interdental brushing so you can get all of that food out from in between the teeth. I always like to think that the food that gets stuck in between our teeth, if we don't take it out or flush it out, then it just starts to compost. So it breaks down in between the teeth and that's when it gets smelly and that's when it causes gum issues and decay. So if you think about it like that, you hopefully have some motivation to clean it out. Another way to look after our teeth and gums is make sure that, you know, our toothbrush is relatively new. You want to change it every three months or so. If the bristles are all getting splayed, replace it. Water flosses, interdental brushes, you know, remove that extra 40% of plaque and then obviously see your dentist. So Mm -hmm. seeing your dentist regularly, we scratch off the hard, chunky stuff that you can't get to. Everybody's different with how frequently they should go to the dentist. You know, your average person, six monthly. Some people, if they're in a higher risk category, need to come in three monthly. Other people can maybe get away with 12 months. So, And I will Mm -hmm. advise patients when they come in to see me what I think their recall system should look like. Mm And what role do genetics play in gum health? And are there any genetic risk factors that make a person more susceptible to gum disease? Yeah, so like so many diseases in the human body, genetics can play a factor definitely to make us more susceptible. So for some people, it might just be that they have a genetic tendency to host some of those bacteria in their mouth that are more prone to gum disease or decay, or even it might mean that their immune system can't control the bacteria or inflammation as well as somebody else. And so then they might be at a higher risk of gum disease and so some people see that this sort of thing runs in the family the other thing as well is there's been links between gum health and poor diabetes control so you know if you've got inflamed gums then it can be worse for your diabetes and vice versa so I think, you know, for people that are, you know, living with a genetic tendency for gum disease or these other health conditions that make their gums at a higher risk, it just means that their oral hygiene, their trips to the dentist, they fall into that risk category where I might say, okay, we're going to see you more often than the average person. What is the connection between gum health and overall health and how can taking care of one's gums improve their overall well-being? Gingivitis, gum disease, any sort of chronic inflammation in the mouth, the literature has shown that if we have this chronic inflammation in our mouths, obviously our mouth is connected to the rest of our body. You've got all these inflammatory factors. It can increase the systemic or overall inflammation that we're experiencing in our body. Poor gum health has been linked to worsened outcomes with things like heart disease, diabetes, as I was saying before. And then there have been some links between, you know, having autoimmune diseases and worsened gum health as well. So I think it's so important to remember that our mouths and the health of our mouth does actually link with the rest of what's going on in our body. And, you know, like we know with our gut microbiome, taking care of our gut microbiome is so important to the rest of our overall health. The same microbiome or, you know, we've got an oral microbiome. So keeping that in balance and in check and like, you know, the good bacteria and the bad bacteria is important for yeah, keeping your general well-being, you know, I'm going to say overall well-being, your overall well-being. 
That's one of my main things as well when educating people about looking after your teeth and your gums. It's not just about making sure that you've got a nice white smile. It's linked to everything else as well. Do you think a lot of people like Joe and I have admitted we're not the best flossers? When I didn't have this water flosser, like I just couldn't be bothered with this whole threading through, like it was just too yes. too hard. Do you think there's a lot of like secret non-flossers or secret like that never floss? There's probably a lot. Yeah, I reckon there probably is. You know, like yeah. everyone laughs at me when I tell them to floss. Like there I was like, okay, Maddie, which is why you have to start coming up with other ideas because if it's just yeah. too fiddly, you're standing on the cold bathroom tiles, it's winter, like you're not going to get the string floss out, which is fiddly, it gets tied around your fingers. You know, some people, yes, they've got the technique down pad, but that's where I think, yeah, if you're not a flosser and you're not using anything in between your teeth, then try something else, you know, and if the water flosser works for you, keep using it because otherwise you weren't using anything at all it is a technique though because you have to like you kind of when you first start using it your mouth fills with so much water yes you just don't know how to use it so you got to open your mouth let the water drain out it's like very weird at the start and also I use warmer water because the cold water yep. is quite sensitive that's totally fine I mean you wouldn't want to be using anything really hot because then you could melt the inner part of the water flosser but if you're just using normal warm water I think that's totally fine and some people even like to put a little bit of mouthwash in there you wouldn't want to go full concentrate of mouthwash but even you could just put a little bit in there so you've got that sort of like minty fresh that's a good tip. Yeah. minty fresh flavor as well so that's something else mm-hmm. you can try that's a good tip I feel like the dentist saying that you need a floss every day is our version of saying you need to wear sunscreen every day. Yes. Some people just aren't going to do it and they might do it sometimes and that's okay, but we encourage it every day. Exactly. I will still say to people floss, but I will now add in, and I have been, you know, for the last few years since all of this literature has come out, you know, using your interdental brushes or water flosser is totally fine. It's not like you're doing a budget version of flossing. The studies are actually showing for some people using interdental brushes is even better than flossing. So you're not being naughty by getting a water flosser or using pixters. Sometimes it's actually much better. Great. Well, thank you for all that information and taking the time out of your day for us, Dr. Madeline. No worries at all. If anyone wants to go and see her, you can find her at The Smile Designer. Thank you so much, guys. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, the beauty industry, Hannah. It's an interesting place. There's a lot of avenues and a lot of the time I have people ask like, oh, how do you do the job that you do now? Like, how did you get into that? Or how do I get into working in beauty? And how do I get into working in beauty is a very broad question because as you would know as well, there are so many different paths you can go down in beauty. You can be in buying, you can be in marketing, you can be in a salon, you could be in a spa, you could be in a clinic, you could be in more of a medical setting, you could be in brand management, like the list goes on. You could be in customer service. Like we've got so many different departments at a door that like I could walk you through and be like, this is kind of how you get to that path. But a lot of it does come down to work experience as well, you know, who you know where you start, your career, all those kinds of things are really important. I wanted to get your perspective because you had come from a very different background to me prior to starting at Adore and you had already had the social experience, but you didn't have the beauty experience. So like, how did you find that transition from being someone that knew absolutely nothing about beauty into being saturated in it? I knew a little bit. You were using olive oil in your hair. (laughs) 
Yeah, when I was hiking, I had to, but no, I didn't know a lot. So I think that getting into beauty, I was already in social media marketing. So I had a degree in commerce and I had, I think I had a minor in marketing, but I actually wish looking back because I majored in finance, but I actually kind of wish looking back, sort of wish I'd done a different degree that was maybe a little bit more creative. Mm -hmm. Like there's definitely things I look back on now that would have been like journalism would have been great or copywriting or even like photography, videography would have been really good in a content role. I think I had a minor in marketing, but anyway, I ended up in social media. And then because I had worked at Fashion Week, I did like a really small stint, which is adjacent to beauty. But then I actually went into like a corporate environment. But because that corporate environment was kind of, I would call it more of like a premium, like there were premium restaurants and Mm. you're on the corporate side of things at corporate organizations are actually like quite difficult to work in. So you build up sort of resilience, I would say. Especially in content. Yeah, it was like a lot of um, approvals. So I think because I had that experience, which was really tough, like I had built quite a lot of resilience and their marketing was all about premium restaurants and they had a spa. And so that was already there, but it definitely wasn't beauty at all. And then from there, if you're looking to get into beauty, you just have to be on the eye for jobs in the beauty industry. Like just came up, a door was like a lot smaller back then. It was so much smaller. The team, there was like eight of us, I think, in marketing when I had my first day. In the whole marketing team. Really yeah. small, but I <laughs> think that I saw some of the brands that they had and it wasn't like I was trying to get into like a massive beauty organization. It, it was yeah. kind of starting in more. It wasn't a startup, but it was mid-sized. Yeah. And then from there... Yeah, like I think that that was sort of having the experience from a bigger company coming into a smaller company was what made it a bit easier. Did you have any desire to actually be in beauty or you just saw the job and you were like, oh, that'd be fun to work in? I think I did either because I loved fashion probably more than beauty at that time. Mm. But I think because those two things are so closely related, I was really interested. But I didn't actually go out seeking beauty roles. It was probably more lifestyle, fashion, wellness, beauty, anything in that industry I sort of was interested in. I saw a TikTok the other day and it was this girl saying that she works in marketing and that you no longer need a marketing degree to work in marketing. Yep, agree. Well, maybe I'm just talking about our area. Yes. And we have like a lens on for our particular roles that we were in and I agree with that. But if you were working in category management or like buying Mm – So finances, Excel spreadsheets, like all those sorts of things. I think in that case, that would be helpful. But look, I think your degree sets you up because it gives you some time in between school and getting a full-time job. It gives you like Mm -hmm. a little bit of space to grow. That's what's good about it because you grow in that time and you have to learn how to like turn up to uni mm-hmm. on time, but your parents aren't forcing you to go. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and a lot of the yes. time I didn't go. No, I did go, but it was like hard because you had to be self-motivated. Yes. So I think it does give you that little gap in between. But there's really not much that, I mean, it got me my first job, which was in management consulting. But aside from that, if I don't know that I actually like learned to <laughs> See, I think it's about getting that first role yeah. because we hear a lot about like entry-level positions even in those descriptions saying you need one to two years experience. So unless you're doing unpaid internships or something for free and you're trying to work full time and it's kind of 
a bit of a catch-22. Like you need experience to go into an entry-level role, which is firstly ridiculous because entry-level roles should not require any experience. But I think having that degree there, regardless of what it is, it could be completely unrelated to what you're applying for. Marketing, though, I think I didn't do a marketing degree, so I don't know, but a marketing degree probably does give you at least the basics. Yes, of marketing in terms of like the funnel and yeah I think you'd probably learn a lot and it helps you understand the commercial impact if you want to go into a role somewhere like a door or another retailer in the capacity of a marketing manager or something like that then you're gonna need that background knowledge unless you've done 10 unpaid internships and you've learned everything there is to know or a digital marketing digital marketing degree would probably be the best. That's what I would recommend yes. if you want to get. Yeah, if they offer those now. <laughs> There's so much. I don't know because it's been so long since I went to uni. There, I don't yeah. believe there was digital marketing back. I think there is now. Yeah, so digital marketing yeah. is where it's at. And I would say like there are a lot of jobs in digital marketing Yeah, and e-commerce. So I studied journalism and I feel like that was really helpful for my career trajectory and I guess doing the podcast and writing and producing content. I kind of needed that background and I did like learn a lot in that degree. But then obviously I went on to do dermal science as well. So I wanted the best of both worlds and I wanted to do two and I wanted to understand more about the other thing I was working in. But do you remember when we went to Mount Buller and we had facials and the girls that were doing our facials, this was years ago. So I don't know if you remember this. I do remember. But they were saying that they work three months in Mount Buller or four months in Mount Buller at the spa there and then they would go to the Sundays, and then mm. they would work another four months there and then they would take the summer off in like Melbourne mm-hmm. and just hang out for the summer because they would make their money over those seasonal periods and I thought that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. So if you want to go and work in a spa or you want to get like a beauty therapy qualification or a dermal science qualification, there is certainly avenues to work in beauty in that setting if you want to be treating people. Yeah. But if that's not what you want to be doing, but you want to work in the beauty industry, you want to work somewhere like a door or another retailer, then I think having like some kind of marketing or even arts degrees, I feel like could be helpful. Oh, if I could yeah. have my time again, yeah. I would go back. This is just me. I'd go back and I do instead of commerce, which was very dry, very boring. I would have done a Bachelor of Arts and I actually probably would have studied things like creative writing, maybe philosophy. Like I would have done really like random stuff that I wanted to learn about. Maybe you can also do like a marketing major. Yeah, you can. Yeah, in arts you can. But the problem is if you want to go into anything financy or anything to do with numbers, I probably would have needed that numbersy side yes. of things. Because buyers, you would be surprised, I think, that buyers actually do a lot of that. Oh, they do a lot of maths, which is why I could never be one. Well, a lot of spreadsheets and like it's a lot of numbers. Like you think buying is testing out new products. It's forecasting sales and yeah, lots of spreadsheets, targets. Yeah, it's very different. And a lot of people have this view when they don't work in this industry that it is all just trying products and that's all we do all day, but it is not. (laughs) It's just not the case. Not at all. So it's not always as like fun and glamorous as you think it is. Now, I know that we both kind of said on the uni side of things, like, yes, that can play an important part. There is definitely ways to get into this industry where you don't require 
that kind of qualification if you're willing to do internships. I would say a lot of the customer service roles as well. There's so many avenues from there that we've seen. You can get like internal promotions or move from like one area to another area. So I think that would also, and a lot of our customer service, they've got like makeup artists or skin therapists. So that was an avenue to then get into marketing, Mm -hmm. say. Yep. Yep, definitely. So there is certainly pathways to get there if you're not prepared to do a degree or you just feel like, no, I'm at a point in my life where I just can't study. Or even I would say content creator now has a pretty like an edge in terms of like you don't have to have a massive following, but if you're doing really good content on Instagram and you're trying to get a content role in beauty If you've got that as your portfolio, I think as someone that's like hired people in the past in roles like that, I would look at their Instagram. 100%. Yeah. You'd be looking at that more than their degree. If they have a marketing degree, but they've got no background in creating content, you're obviously going to pick the person that has the full portfolio of work they've done and videos they've produced or whatever it might be. So there are quite a number of different ways that you can go about it. I had no idea. I didn't intentionally fall into this industry. Like I just got an admin job working in a skin clinic. I was like, actually, I'm really interested in this. I really love learning everything. And I did all the skincare training. And this is at like age 18. And who knows where I would have ended up if I hadn't gotten that job. So it was really just like a universal thing and just happened. And then I never left. You never know where life's going to take you. So I think it's just good to be open-minded as well. Because I mean, you might get into the beauty industry and hate it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Might give it a go and go, no, not for me. Yeah. And it's also never too late as well. I feel like someone said recently to me, and it really resonated with me, that the time's going to pass anyway. So if you're like, I don't want to do the degree or I don't want to do the work into whatever it is that you want to do, that time is going to pass anyway. So you may as well use it doing something that's going to work towards where you want to be as hard as it can be. I know studying, like personally, I studied and worked full time and had a business on the side as well. And it was hell. (laughs) It was not a fun time. And I would not recommend doing it for long periods. I was only doing that for a bit over a year, but it is hard. And if you're prepared to do the work or you've got, you know, the spare time to do that, we were in lockdowns. So it was actually the perfect time for me to do that. But if you think you can manage it, then do it. Just go for it because- you know, time's going to pass anyway, so you may as well do what you want to be doing. Hannah, if you were starting all over again and you were trying to get into this industry and trying to get into the role that you were in at a door, what would you do? I would probably do a couple of things. If I didn't have Instagram, I'd sort of start Instagram and TikTok. If I wanted to be in like a content role, Mm -hmm. Instagram, TikTok or a YouTube channel doesn't have to go gangbusters, but like at least be creating content constantly and be learning about the different platforms. And then from there, try to get an entry level job in like an adjacent, Mm -hmm. if I couldn't get into beauty, get into an adjacent industry in some more of an entry level content role and sort of have that as my portfolio, like one of those channels, because when I was hiring in those roles like I was always really blown away if someone had put that extra effort into doing that as a side project yeah and I thought the content was really good I'd be like wow this is amazing and I looked really yeah so that's how I do it now 
What about you? Yeah, 100%. I fully agree. I think if you are just starting out and you kind of don't know where to begin, if you're wanting a content role, TikTok is the place to be. If you're creating regular content on there that's performing well and you're engaging and you're confident to put yourself in front of camera, I think that's really important these days. And it doesn't necessarily have to be always you in front of the camera, but you know, I think having the skills you don't have to do a degree to have content skills and some people have it and some people don't. And there's been plenty of people that work in content or thought they want to be in content over the years that I've come across that decide that that's not for them and that they actually don't like being in front of camera. It's not their passion, which is so fine. Yeah, I think you really have to be passionate about it and have a way to convey that if you want to get into an industry like this and keep an eye out for roles that might come up too and just put your name in the ring And whether that be getting a contact at the business that you want to be in just so that you can forward through your CV is also a good way to go about it. Yeah, networking obviously is we underplay like if you've got someone that knows someone. Get on LinkedIn. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. That's like getting footage sometimes. I know that's bad, but like sometimes if you know someone – at a company and you have a coffee with them. Like I had when I was hiring for roles at a door, like a lot of people would want to have coffees and then at least I remembered them. Sadaf, I think, actually said she had reached out to me to have a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like that sort of go-getter mentality works as Mm -hmm. well. Yes, definitely. So good luck to anyone that's trying to get into beauty. We did an episode quite a while ago on Huda Beauty. Mm -hmm, We did. We sort of ran through the products really quickly. So I wanted to talk about one of them that I actually have been using anytime I wear makeup. I've pretty much been using it. Yeah. It's the Huda Beauty Faux Filter Luminous Matte Liquid Concealer. Have you used this concealer? No, I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it. Really like it. So it's full coverage. It says medium to full coverage. Mm -hmm. Definitely is. What shade am I? Vanilla Swirl is the one that I have been using. Even though it's matte, it's kind of like, I guess, that lightweight, creamy texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very brightening under the eye. That's why I'm using it at the moment. So I just put on like my probably at the moment medium coverage foundation and then I put it under the eye. It says it's a luminous matte finish, which it definitely is. They've got 29 shades, wears for 14 hours, no flashback. It's got like a large doe foot applicator. It's waterproof and transfer proof and it contains vitamin E and sweet almond oil. I, yeah, really like it. I've been using it pretty much like anytime I wear makeup, which to be fair, isn't every day, but anytime I do wear makeup, I'm using this concealer. Nice. I need to try that one. I've heard a lot of good things about it. You do. My product today is period undies. Oh. So one of our first episodes we did, we talked about period undies. I used to have the Modi Body ones. I now have a brand called Love Luna, which we obviously stock at Adore. The pairs that I have, I've got the bikini briefs which have a little like lacy trim on them, Mm -hmm. they hold two to three regular tampons. Wow. So you could definitely get through a day, like if you have a regular flow, I would say. I mean, there's no real like regular, it's everyone's different. But for me, I could probably wear them during the day. I just have a thing where I wear period undies at night. Mm. That's just when I wear mine. I never got into the habit of wearing them during the day. I'm normally like a tampon during the day and then I'll wear the period undies at night. So I've got the bikini brief for kind of lighter parts of my cycle. And then I've also got the high-waisted bamboo brief, which are so comfortable. Oh my God, they're so comfy. 
<laughs> but they fully go up your bum, like not not up your bum. They full bum coverage. Oh, okay, yeah, is what yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say. Okay, full bum. You said up the bum, <laughs> the, but you meant around the bum. Yeah, no, yeah. I didn't mean that. Around the bum. <laughs> so the absorbency goes all the way around, like the front and the back. Yeah, so probably more suitable for someone with a heavier flow. I think this is three to four tampons worth. Now, the regular briefs that I just spoke about are $15. These ones are $20, which I thought that'd be more expensive than that. I thought period undies would be a bit pricier, Yeah, but apparently not. So they're actually really affordable. I really like the material of these ones compared to the Modi Body, which I've had previously. They are like a thinner, less detectable material. Like period undies sometimes feel like a nappy, I've not experienced that feeling with these ones. So they're quite a thin fabric, like bamboo-y kind of texture and just really comfortable to wear. I love that Adore's got, are these the first period undies? Yes. Yeah, I love that. And we've got cups and, you know, all sorts of things as well. So there's a lot of other adjacencies in kind of the feminine care range at the moment. But yeah, I've been trying the period undies this week and very, very happy with them. I use them for my last cycle too. But yeah, I'm a big fan of period undies. And if you're not into them yet, I think you should be because they are so much better than pads. I know that it seems a bit gross to some people to like be rinsing out a pair of undies as opposed to disposing of something but it's just so like you get used to it and you just rinse them quickly in the laundry sink and then you chuck them on a like 30 minute cycle like you can put them in with other clothes like it's not as bad as you think it's going to be trust me yeah so we started off this episode with uh talk of ben affleck so it's only right that we'd finish it with j-lo <laughs> i did see and i sent it to you j-lo's kind of get ready with me video for the met gala and what makeup she was wearing she obviously started with j-lo beauty products a serum and then she put an spf on which i thought the met gala was at night yeah but maybe she was going to be out during the day. Mm. I don't know. She put her SPF cream on. Well, she was talking about how she always faked hands. It's never real tan. Yes, yes, which I liked that point. She said, I'm very bronzy, so everyone always assumes that I get a lot of sun, but I don't. It's just self-tanner, fake tan bronzers. So that's a hot tip for those of you who thought that was natural. So there's a couple of products that we actually have at Adore that her makeup artist, Ash K. Home, used on her face for the Met Gala. One being the Anastasia Beverly Hills brow definer, mm-hmm. the little pencil. Yep. I use that in my routine. Love it. Can highly recommend. Yep. And also the clear brow gel, which I think you love. Love it. I use that. Yeah. Yep. I don't actually have that one, but you love that one. And then the other thing was a Huda Beauty palette. And I'm just trying to find which one it actually was. I think it's the Empowered palette that she used. It goes quite quick in the video, but it had lots of shimmers and different colours in it and quite a few options, which a lot of the Huda Beauty palettes do have. It looks like a nice palette. It was good to see some Adore Beauty products in in J-Lo's Met Gala look. I think the Met Gala in general is just, yeah, it's too much to cover in this (laughs) segment. So, (laughs) honey, you need to promise me that you're going to watch Air on the weekend. I will. I will. I'll go and see it. And we can discuss it next time. Yeah, we can do another basketball recap. Great. Look forward to it. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.